0: you know, we've got the clock, so uh, we're making up for the There's going to be a movie thing. Next week is The Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge might be here. I don't know for sure. And then the week after that is Home Alone, okay? You know, we're going to, it's going to be so much fun. And in here we're going to have fun too because we're having a brand new theme for Advent. It's called Light of the World, a beginner's guide to So we're going to, in addition to having messages every week in here around Light of the World, we're going to be having a brand new short-term Sunday school study in the gathering room upstairs based on the book Light of the World that's done by Amy Jill Levine, who is a New Testament professor um, at Vanderbilt University. So if you are not connected to a Sunday school class, And you'd like to kind of do a short-term Advent study and you you wouldn't mind having that kind of group discussion kind of format Uh, I'm gonna be leading the class you know don't don't leave your current Sunday school class to come to this Um, but if you want to come and bring a friend this brand new study if you want one of these books they're in the office there where the receptionist sits they're $12 you don't have to have the book just come and join us it's a four week study Advent's gonna be great Next Sunday night, Hanging of the Greens, wow, this is a great time of the year, don't you think? I'm a little bit excited about it, can you tell? All right, okay, Uh, so Colossians chapter 1, if you want to turn in your Bible or if you want to follow along on your Bible app, if you're joining us by live stream, welcome, we're glad that you're with us. Verses 11 through 20 of Colossians chapter 1. They're going to be up on the screen for us as well. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience. While joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come and have his first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God is. Was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, I wore my camel hair jacket, not under my robe because it'd be a little too hot, but it's just cool enough this morning to put the camel hair jacket on. It makes me think of John the Baptist, you know, the camel hair, y'all, camel hair, leather belt, honey, wild, uh, locust, wild honey, y'all know, that's what I think of. I picture John the Baptist every time I think about that, and I put that coat on think I think, I'm, I'm John the Methodist, <laughs> <laughs> voice crying in the wilderness. Repent, you know, and I think he's got long dreadlocks in my mind and a long kind of matted beard with some little honey and locust legs caught in it, you know, (laughs) and he's saying repent and he comes in from the wilderness and he starts baptizing people in the river, telling them to repent. And one day he's doing that and he sees his cousin Jesus coming along and all of a sudden God opens his eyes and he realizes this this isn't just my cousin. And John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Isn't that powerful? Behold the Lamb of God. And then Jesus comes down into the river. He's baptized by John. Heavens open up. The Spirit of God descends like a dove upon Jesus. The voice of God comes from the Father and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then all of the attention, and rightly so, shifts to Jesus and his story. He goes from there into the wilderness. And, and all, of, all of a sudden we forget about John the Baptist. He's still wearing his, his camel hair coat, y'all. He's still eating locusts and wild honey. And he's, he's still preaching. That's the important thing. He is speaking out. And John the Baptist is not shy about how he speaks out even to those in power. He speaks out against Herod Antipas, the king. Because Herod Antipas had taken his brother Philip's wife, stolen his brother's wife, and John the Baptist said, y'all, that is not right. And he spoke out against the king. And you know what you usually get when you speak out against the king? (laughs) You know? It's usually a one-way ticket to death row but Herod didn't know what to do with John because John was so popular with the people so Herod in the meantime is, I'm just going to throw him in the dungeon so he threw John the Baptist in the dungeon chained him to the wall and just left him there for the time being didn't worry about him so John's in the dungeon chained to the wall and when you're in the dungeon chained to the wall you've got a lot of time to think I suppose not much time to do anything else but to think And John gets to thinking, He's, you know, I was really sure that Jesus was the one, that he was the king, that he was the Messiah. I was really sure of that. Now I'm beginning to wonder, because if Jesus really is the king, then he needs to get me up out of this dungeon. And so far, it's not happening. So he calls a couple of his messengers, a couple of his disciples, John does. And he says, I want you to go and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we expect somebody else? Are you really the king? Now, we can't really blame John for wondering. And it's really not a new question when you think about it. Are you the king is a question that's been around ever since Jesus was born, ever since his first advent, his first coming. People have wondered. It's one of two big questions around his coming, around his birth, his advent, that we're going to ask today. The first one is this, the really big question, is Jesus really the king? You say, well, I don't know how relevant that is, Pastor Sam, but I think it is relevant because people have been asking it ever since Jesus was born and wrapped in swaddling clothes and put in a manger. You see, the Magi, do you remember them? The Magi, the wise men, came and they came from the east and they saw the star and they went right to where they thought the king would be, right? Right to the king's palace in Jerusalem. But they didn't find the king there, they just found the king, Herod. And they went to Herod and they said, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Because we have seen his star and we have come to worship him. And Herod said, wait, what, king? I'm the king. Don't you see my crown? Don't you see my royal court? I'm in the king's palace. What do you mean, where is the king? I'm the king. He didn't say it like that, but he was thinking that. He was much smoother in what he said. He said, oh, by all means, go and find the king and then come tell me where he is so that I can go and worship him too. (laughs) Right? But Herod's trick didn't work, did it? Because the angels came to the Magi in a dream and said don't go back, go back another way don't go back to Herod that wannabe king go back home the other way and then Jesus and his family went to Egypt, and they missed out on Herod's dirty trick. So that Herod dies. Another one takes his place. Jesus and his family come back from Egypt. They settle in a little town called Nazareth, and Jesus grows up, a nice Jewish boy in a podunk town that everybody knows. They know him. That's... Jesus, you know, his dad's a carpenter, you know, we know him. Until the time was right. The time was right, and Jesus walked down to the river where his cousin John was baptizing. And Jesus said, I'm next. I'm next. So, back to the question. Jesus, are you really the king? Jesus is is baptized. John's in prison. Jesus, are you really the king or what? So Jesus sends word back by the messengers, by the way. And he says, listen, John, don't listen to what I say. Observe what I do. Observe what you have seen. The blind have received their sight. The lame have walked. The lepers have been cleansed. The deaf have received their hearing the dead have been raised from uh, the dead and the good news is preached to the poor all the signs that you see that were to point to the Messiah point to me John don't listen to what I say see what I have done yes I'm the king I'm the only one I'm the king I'm it you don't have to wait for somebody else I'm the one and everybody else had seen what Jesus had done too right they all knew about the miracles word travels fast When you have people opening the eyes of the blind, everybody saw what he did, so it's an open and shut case, right? Is he the king? Yes, he's the king. There it is. Except that the way things always have been is a pretty strong attraction, isn't it? How we've always done things is pretty strong mojo. And Jesus goes to his hometown. And everybody comes out to the synagogue to hear Jesus. Jesus is is reading in the synagogue today. You know Jesus, Mary and Joseph's son, he's reading. And let's go see what he has to say. And Jesus opens the scroll and he reads from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news. To the poor, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolled that scroll back up and he said, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Drop the mic. He didn't have a mic, but. And then he launched into a sermon, (laughs) y'all. talking about how the people who think that they're in with God, and those other people over there are out with God, that the tables are really flipped, and those that you think are out with God, they're the ones that are in with God, and those who think that they're in with God, well, maybe they're really out with God, and people really got mad. They got, you know, people get mad when you challenge the status quo, don't they? And you know what they tried to do? They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Threatening the status quo can be downright dangerous. But back to the question, is Jesus king? His hometown said, no. Not, he's, we know who he is. We know his brothers and sisters. We know his mom and them he was from Alabama, that's what we'd say. We know his mom and him. He's the kid from up the street. He's not the king. All throughout Jesus's ministry, some people believed. Some people didn't. The people that we thought would believe, it would be obvious to them, it's right in front of their face, we thought they would believe. They didn't. seem. And the people who Didn't we wouldn't expect to believe those were the ones that ended up believing Samaritans tax collectors Romans but the crowds and the religious leaders the ones that should have seen what was right in front of their eyes not so much the religious leaders started a campaign they started a plot I guess you could say. To have Jesus arrested. And that's what they did. They had him arrested. They called Jesus the would be king. And they had him arrested. Brought him before Pilate. Do you remember Pilate? What an interesting guy. Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate asked him a question. Do you remember what he said? He said, So, are you the king? And Jesus said, you say I'm the king. I say this is the reason I was born. And Pilate had an opportunity to really get to the bottom of this. Pilate had, he asked the question, you remember Pilate? He said, what is truth? I mean, what a philosophical question. Pilate had an opportunity to really get to the bottom of it for himself and for everybody. But Pilate was Wilbur Milk Toast. He was gutless. He passed the buck, as people often do with that question. Is Jesus king? I don't know. You tell me. So he passed him off, passed Jesus off. He had him flogged and beaten. And and the Roman soldiers, you know what they did to him? Can you see the irony in this? They take Jesus' beaten and bloodied body and they wrap him in a purple royal robe. And they put on his head a crown of thorns. And they put in his hand a reed, pretending it's a royal scepter. And laughingly and mockingly they bow before him. And you know what they say? Hail to the king. And they laughed and they laughed and they plucked his beard and they spit in his face and Pilate brought him back out before the religious leaders and the crowd. And then Pilate asked this question What do you want me to do with your king? And the people said, Crucify him. And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests said this, and I want you to listen to this very carefully. The chief priests, the leaders of the religion, said these words, We have no king but the emperor. Do you know what happens when religion and the empire join forces? Something gets exalted, but it's not Jesus. Jesus said, go and be the light of the world. He didn't say, go and rule the world. <laughs> so back to the question. It's still relevant, isn't it? Is Jesus the king? Is he really the king? Well, Herod saw him as a threat wanted to kill him. John questioned him. The, home, the hometown rejected him. The Sanhedrin condemned him. Pilate turned him over. His followers ran away. The Romans crucified him. And yet on his cross, above his head, where the charges of the criminal were nailed, Jesus is read, King. Okay, skip forward a few years. The Apostle Paul is now going about planting churches everywhere. Paul gets really excited in in Ephesus and and he stays in Ephesus for three years trying to build that community of faith up. And in Ephesus, there is a young man named Epaphras who is converted and becomes a Christ follower under Paul's ministry. Paul sends Epaphras to a little town called Colossae. And in Colossae, Epaphras a young church that's just starting to get going just just getting going just a fledgling little church and this fledgling church comes under attack by a group called the Gnostics and the Gnostics are, are, are a very complicated group but among other things here's what the Gnostics are, are teaching this heresy that they're teaching Among other things, the Gnostics teach that Jesus wasn't really human. Because the Gnostics believed that all material matter was evil, only the spirit was good. And so Jesus couldn't really have had a real human body because human bodies are material things. And so Jesus, therefore, didn't really die on a cross. It maybe just looked like he did. Maybe it's kind of a spiritual optical illusion. But Jesus really didn't die on the cross. And the Gnostics also taught that Jesus wasn't really God. You see, they believed that there were all sorts of dominions and principalities in the heavenly realms that were emanations from God. And they were in a pecking order, right? You know, from top to bottom. And Jesus was in that pecking order somewhere, but he was down toward the bottom. He wasn't at the top at all. Jesus wasn't really really God. He was somewhere in there. And these were the teachings that were being aimed at that fledgling church in Colossae. And Epaphras ran to Rome, and he said, Paul, you got to do something. We're hearing all these Gnostics. The church is confused. And so Paul writes what we have as the letter to the Colossians, the book of Colossians, and sends back to Epaphras. And that's what we read this morning, y'all, was Paul's response to that. And Paul's response to that comes in like a wrecking ball to the teachings of the Gnostics in verses 15 through 20, he says five things. And Paul says, let's get this very straight. He said, Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. You can't see God. God is invisible, but you can see Jesus. And what you see in Jesus is God and Abod the very image of the invisible God. He says, secondly, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus isn't a created being. He was there at creation. He was there at creation and all things were created through him. And then he says, thirdly, that Jesus is the head of the body in verse 18. You see, Paul wasn't head of the church. Epaphras wasn't head of the church. Jesus was the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And the body, who is the church, is supposed to do whatever the head wants it to do. To go wherever the head wants it to go and to say whatever the head wants it to say, right? That's the way it's supposed to work. With our bodies, it works better if it works like that. To do the things that Jesus did. Number four, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead in verse 18. Jesus, that means Jesus really was human. His actual body was crucified on a cross. It was his actual blood that reconciled us to God when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead as the firstborn. Do you see how important that is, that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead? Because he lives, we will live also. Jesus was not just fully human. He is fully God. Verse 19, this is my favorite. Paul writes, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Everything about God, the fullness of the Godhead, dwelled in Jesus. All of it. So who really is king? Jesus. Who is it that reigns supreme over the whole cosmos? Jesus. Jesus doesn't just have it all together, Jesus holds it all together. Okay, so that's the first question. Is Jesus really king? Resounding yes. So, question number two if Jesus is king, so what? What does it mean? To the Colossians, what does it mean to the first century church? What does it mean to the 21st century church? What does it mean to us? If he really is king, what do we get out of it? I'm glad you asked. Are y'all still with me this morning? Hold your thumbs up if you're still (laughs) with me. A week ago last Friday, um, a couple of friends, Michelle and Shannon, went out for a hike in the Sipsi Wilderness area of Bankhead National Forest over around Haleyville. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sipsi Wilderness? Bankhead, it's wilderness, is it? Y'all know it's wilderness, isn't it? Y'all where I'm coming from over there. Wilderness. So they start out for a hike over there in the wilderness. They leave about 9.30 in the morning on that Friday morning, a week ago Friday. By 4.30 in the afternoon, they realize we're lost. And Michelle found enough cell signal on her phone that she called the sheriff and she called her son. She said, we're in the wilderness. We're lost. I mean, lost. It's about to get dark. And she talked to her son. She talked to the sheriff until her phone went dead. And it was dark. And they were lost in the wilderness. I want you to Feel that for a second. Saturday morning came. First light, they had a big search party. Went out looking for Michelle and for Shannon. Looking for them. Looking, looking, looking. Searching, searching, searching. All day Saturday. And they didn't find them. Second night in the wilderness. Lost. Phone dead. Cold. Cold. Hungry, scared. Sunday morning, they found them. Did y'all see that story? Sunday morning, they found them. Last Sunday, on the 17th, they found them. And I, I was looking at the news story, and all I remember about this, these women is the smile that was on their face when they were rescued. How good does it feel to be rescued from the darkness, from the wilderness? Do you know that Jesus, the king, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his light? What does it mean that Jesus is the king? It means quite a lot if you're the one that's rescued. And Jesus redeemed us and reconciled us to God. Somehow, some way, Jesus, the King, looked at us, looked at you, looked at me, and thought we were worth redeeming. Aren't you glad? Several years ago, there was a movie called Sea Biscuit. Any of y'all ever see Sea Biscuit? It's about a horse. If you didn't know, Sea Biscuit. Well, Sea Biscuit racehorse, great racehorse, as you know. And uh, but Sea Biscuit later on in his life uh, came up lame, and they were gonna—I don't know—they were gonna put what they do with lame horses. Sometimes they put they put them down. They were gonna shoot Sea Biscuit, and the old trainer Tom said, "Oh, don't shoot Sea Biscuit. I'll take Sea Biscuit. What do you want with Sea Biscuit? I'll take it. Just give to me." So he got a poultice and he wrapped it. If you don't know what a poultice is, ask your grandma; she'll tell you. He got a poultice and wrapped around the horse's leg, wrapped it all up, Tom did. And uh, there's a scene in the movie where this businessman, American businessman, comes, and he's looking for Tom. I can't remember why. But he finds Tom by the campfire eating his dinner, and there's Seabiscuit. He's got his leg wrapped up. And the businessman from America looks at Seabiscuit there, and he says, uh, Is that horse ever going to race again? And Tom says, no, he's he's not going to race again. And the businessman says, well, why are you fixing him? And the old horse trainer said, because I can. And because every horse is good for something, you know, you don't throw a whole life away just because it's banged up. When Tom looked at Sea Biscuit, he saw something worth redeeming, right? I'm not going to spoil the ending in case you want to watch Sea Biscuit. But when Jesus looks at us, he looks at you and me and we're sometimes pretty banged up, aren't we? We sometimes feel like we ran half of a marathon. We're achy and we're sore. We're banged up. But Jesus looks at us And he sees something worth redeeming. And this Thanksgiving, more than anything else, of all the blessings that I have in my life, and I have a lot, I'm most thankful that Jesus is King and that he has redeemed us and transferred us from the wilderness and the darkness into his kingdom of light. Are you thankful? Can you lay hold of that and believe it? Can you lay hold of it and receive it? Can you lean into it and live it? Can you shine forth with it this week as you go into Thanksgiving week? Have it right at the top of the list of things you're thankful for. Let's pray. Brainstorm.